sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome in Fantasy Sports today. Happy Friday to you. We are on the verge of two more exciting baseball games today. Of course, a football weekend ahead of us in both college and pro football. This is Fantasy Sports today here on SportsGrid. I'm Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia. We cover it all for you. 120 minutes of fantasy, 120 minutes of reality, 120 minutes of sports wagering. We'll get through all of that in just a second. And certainly we've got a little bit of a scare this morning to start the show, thinking we may have to postpone another game. But there is good news. The Indianapolis Colts, uh, I was panicking a little bit, owning their defense in a fantasy league. They've been the best fantasy defense this year. And I'm looking at the wire this morning, Joe, going, oh, boy, you know, who, who am I going to pick up to replace these guys with? There was no one. But the good news is looks like game on this weekend. So we can start there. Yeah, false positives, which is good. That is a positive. False positive. That is good. It's in case you're keeping score at home. So, uh, but I feel like the roller coaster takes a lot out of you by the time, you know, and once Tuesday starts and you kind of go in the roller coaster of who's testing, who's not, who's got a false positive, which team's got this guy, which team has somebody that works in the travel department that talked to somebody. It's tough, man. It is a lot of up and down, a lot of waiver wire searching, like you said. And uh, look, I don't know how many solutions there are, especially when these things kind of crop up towards the end of the week. But luckily, it seems like we're all systems go, which is good. It's going to be a fun game here with the Colts this week, too. So, uh, look, there's a lot of fun football we're going to get to later in the show. Obviously, it's a football Friday, but really... I feel like the story's been baseball last couple of days. Some really engaging LCS games on both sides of the American League and the National League to talk about. Yeah, and let's start there. After the Colts, of course, uh, had to halt their practice, the test came back negative. So as Joe just mentioned, that's good news. So Colts and Bengals will play this Sunday. Now, in terms of baseball, Carlos Correa had probably the biggest hit of the postseason thus far. Hasn't been the best hitter. That's been the guy on the other side of the field, Randy Rosarino, who hit another home run yesterday. But Correa... Hit a walk-off shot yesterday to force a Game 6 later today, so we'll have a preview of that game coming up in just a little bit. The Atlanta Braves really showed no mercy on the Dodgers last night, that's for sure. They're now up 3-1 in the National League Championship Series. Certainly not over yet, but the Dodgers have some work to do. The Clippers have a new head coach. It is Tyron Liu and Chauncey Billups, who I think is probably a future Hall of Famer, is joining him on the coaching staff. And uh, and finally, we got the word uh, late yesterday, although Twitter was down, so really nobody had it for a while. But uh, Le'Veon Bell uh, ended up opting for the Kansas City Chiefs, and certainly there's a lot of fantasy ramifications from that. And it seems like most people, Joe, seem to be all over the map with that one. But I, I don't know. It seems pretty clear-cut to me. I, I think Le'Veon Bell is going to play a little bit, at least. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't feel great owning Edwards Hilaire at this point. I feel worse than I did yesterday. I, I, I suppose if you own Edwards Hilaire today, I guess you, you make an excuse of some kind and you hope that that's not going to be the case. But I would guess that they didn't sign Bell to not play at all. He's a good running back. I, I don't think he'll take it over, but I think he's going to play some. <laughs> 
No, and, and O'Leary's been pretty good. We talked about him actually this week. We talked about how hey, he hasn't had more than 65 rushing yards in a game since that first week, but he's been catching the football a lot of the backfield. Now that's also what Le'Veon Bell has wanted to do. And I think this is a really good uh, depth move for the Kansas City Chiefs. There's no doubt about that. God forbid something happens to Alaire to have a guy like Le'Veon Bell, an established veteran presence who has something left in the tank, I think is a very good signing. It's very smart. I don't think he's going to overtake him. The question is, no. in this offense, which is a significant upgrade here from the Jets to the Chiefs, I mean, I don't know if you go from the worst to the best, but there you go. Even if he is slightly involved, I think that makes him at least a flex play in PPR because you got to figure at least Le'Veon Bell here for these couple weeks. And you could circle week eight on the calendar as Brett and I were talking about our producer before the show today. That's when they play the Jets. And I imagine that's going to be the most touches he gets in a game. I would imagine they're going to let him have the football and carry the rock in that one. So look, you're right. If you're a CAH owner, you're probably telling yourself all the things and you're talking to yourself and you're motivating yourself that everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. Don't worry. And I think everything probably will be fine. There's no doubt Le'Veon Bell is going to get some action, but is he going to get enough to overtake Alaire? Probably not. Yeah. No, I don't think that, and I don't even know that Bell will even be viable, but to say that he's not going to eat into some of his playing time and get some of his touches and yards and maybe even potentially touchdowns, I I think that... It would be silly to think that that Bell's not a factor at all with Kansas City. And and I and I think that yes, it's important for depth, but as they get later into the season, this guy does have playoff experience too. So uh certainly we'll see what they decide to do. But Reed has never really devoted himself to one guy ever, and maybe that'll be the case here. McCoy clearly at this point uh, on the way out. Mm-hmm. Uh also the big walk-off shot for Carlos Correa yesterday, a big moment for him, another big moment in his career. And that shot basically put them in a position today to tie this series. And after the game last night, he talked about how he felt when he hit that home run. It's not planned. You know what I mean? You just react and you enjoy the moment and you try to celebrate with your teammates, man. It's it's really special, you know, to be able to have two of them. And one last year was really special. But, you know, we're living the moment right now. So this one is even more special. So, um, you know, just just staying confident. Just um, we still got two more games to go. Um, two more games to win if we want to move on to a World Series. So we got to go out there and take care of business tomorrow and forget all what happened today. And, and, and Joe, today, this is the day, really, for Houston. And, and all the pressure will shift back to Tampa Bay if they don't close it out today. Tampa Bay is favored again today, as they should be. And they could easily win today, and it could be over. But once you let Houston into a Game 7, I think then you're opening up a, a big problem for, for Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. So... If I'm a Rays fan, I'm not panicking at all. I feel really good. All I have to do is win one of the next two. If I lose today, then I I think I I get a little scared. Yeah, I I think you should be. Carlos Correa now has six home runs. That's more than he had in the regular season, just in case you're keeping score at home. So six to five in that one. Plus, he's got two walk-offs. The only other two guys to do that, Bernie Williams and David Ortiz. So uh, right now, I feel like the momentum is certainly on the side of the Houston Astros, even though the wins are on the side of the Rays. Yep. All right. Our fantasy standouts from the NLCS and ALCS are coming up next. Also, a little bit later in the show, Jim Sanis is going to join us over some DFS options this weekend on FanDuel. Stay on the grid. Joe and I will be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
Time for our fantasy standouts here on Fantasy Sports Today. Before we do that, just a quick note. Odell Beckham Jr. of the Cleveland Browns tested negative for COVID-19, so he'll be in their lineup this week. Also, as we told you a little bit earlier in the show, any reports earlier on the Colts' positive tests were also found to be false positive. So good news, at least on the football front this weekend. We haven't quite gotten to Sunday yet, but at least for the time being, that's where we are at. But before we move forward, let's look back and start off with our fantasy standouts last night on the DFS side or even on the postseason side in the National League Championship Series between the Atlanta Braves and Los Angeles Dodgers. And one star shined above the rest yesterday, that's for sure. It was Marcelo Zuna of the Braves who had four hits, two home runs, four RBIs, three runs scored. And he was great in the postseason last year, but certainly St. Louis thought they were getting this guy, the one that's with Atlanta this year, that's for sure. <laughs> Dan Swanson, one hit, two RBIs, one run scored. Freddie Freeman drove in a couple of runs to get them started. Bryce Wilson had a great start. Five strikeouts in six innings and only gave up one earned run. And Edwin Rios returned for the Dodgers. That's a little shot in the arm there. That's somebody uh, extra that they could use. But the bottom line, Joe, is that the, Do- that the, uh, the Braves are on the doorstep here uh, of the yeah. World Series. And... Again, having their two top starters still yet to come in Game 6 or Game 7 if they need them. Brian Snitker, their manager, basically said today's going to be an I-don't-know-what-bullpen-type day. And I don't think that this is Atlanta punting the game necessarily, but let's be real. they got to make sure that they got their guys set for Game 6 and Game 7. And all Atlanta has to do, Joe, is win one of the next three games. They have to do it against arguably the best team in the National League, but the Braves haven't lost three times in a row very often, and it would seem to me that they're in a pretty good position here. Do you think that Major League Baseball has done a, a disservice by not having an off day somewhere in here? Because I, I, I know they want to get everybody in there, they want to play, and then they want everybody to go home and all of that. But do you think that there needs to be some kind of off day, like maybe reset for game six and seven kind of thing? Like, I understand playing five games in a row okay, but I don't know. Do, do you, because of the nature of what's going on and, and the way the thing has been, do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's really much of a choice, Joe. I mean, they've done a disservice yeah. having you know the the Rays <laughs> basically play the Astros at noon on the West Coast. I mean, they, but there's really there's there's nothing. Yeah. They just got to get through this thing uh, at this stage right. with Major League Baseball. And again, from my point of view, I, I mean, they've had no positive tests. They're getting the games in. The games have been exciting, and I understand what yeah, you're saying, but great. it would be it would be nitpicking for me. Like they're getting through this thing. The games have been good. And and no they just got to get through that. It. You're right. No, you're right. And look, Ozuna's done a great job here in in the series and in the playoffs, and, and even this year, Ozuna's had a good season here, and certainly is going to build back up that equity and free agency this year. Somebody's going to take a shot on him, and and if they do, I hope they realize they are getting a really good complimentary player. That he is not the guy who's going to change your offense. He's a guy that can really help out when there's other guys like a Freeman or a Cunha or you know like a, a Stanton back in the day. You know, he's a he's a good number two kind of guy. He's not a guy to lead an offense necessarily. So great job for Ozuna, and look, great job by the Braves bringing him in this year. There's no doubt about that. And Bryce Wilson, fantastic outing. And I don't know if you caught this. You probably did, but in that postgame, uh, I know on MLB Network, he was talking to the guys about uh, Travis Darno, who you know we've been talking about quite a bit for the bat, but we probably haven't mentioned enough about what he's done here with these young pitchers. And he made the statement, Bryce Wilson, last night that he said, I didn't shake him off once the entire game. And I think whenever a pitcher and a catcher are in together on the game plan and they feel confident and they're in that groove, you see games like you saw here from Bryce Wilson. So although the Kyle Wright game didn't go great the day before, I think when you look at what Ian Anderson's been able to do, what Max Free's been able to do, and of course this game from Bryce Wilson, I don't think it gets discussed enough probably on the back end how important Darno's been, not just offensively to this team, but 
He's calling good games too. He's getting the most out of his young pitchers and he's probably giving them confidence too. And I think that is that intangible thing. It doesn't show up in the box score, Craig, but it shows up in wins and losses. And right now it has for the Braves. Now, former Met, by the way, in Travis Darno. Oh, yeah. not, not really former Met, former Blue Met. Jay, uh, former Philly, former Blue Jay, former Met. I mean, he, he's been around. Let's let's not, <laughs> you know, he certainly had his chance and always a good player. Just a player that could never stay on the field. I mean, that that was the problem with Darno. Not like this year. He's been fantastic. I agree. Yeah. He's been mm-hmm. he's been fan, he's been unbelievable for them in the postseason mm-hmm. for sure. Okay, now over to the American League. And Carlos Correa had the big walk off yesterday, the home run. Michael Brantley also got a hit, drove in a couple runs. This game really took a long time. I was like in and out of this game. I felt like for four hours they just kept bringing in different pitchers, and so we could you know certainly list ten pitchers here if we if we had to. But uh, Presley got the win yesterday. G Man Choi had a huge shot to tie up this game, and I, I don't know why we left Randy Rosarina off. Brett, we got to throw Randy Rosarina here every day. That's, that's an oversight by me. I forgot to mention that he's just and, he's just uh, sick of we're just sick of it. It's a, a, I don't think he wants to type his name on our graphics anymore. <laughs> Uh, well, once you learn another it, another, <laughs> another reclamation guy, two and two thirds, two strikeouts, a hit, a walk, and and a run scored. So, uh, look, the Rays are really set up good here for the last couple mm-hmm. games. They, they have, yeah, they, they have Glass now. They have Charlie Morton. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I just, I think that Houston definitely can even win today and get it to seven, but. I feel it's crazy to think, but I feel better about the Dodgers coming back in the series potentially than I mm. do about Houston. And I know that they've won, and I know they had the walk off yesterday. But and I, I'm a big fan of them, and I'm a big fan of of what they do. And and look, I think that they are playing no doubt with a big chip on their shoulder. And once they were down three zero, did I think they'd come back and win two? No way. But. I just refuse to believe the Rays are going to lose four straight games. I think that I could I could see Atlanta because it's three one. I could see LA getting something together here and, and pulling it off and getting sure. to game seven. But, but who who in the world's going to pitch for Houston the next two days? <laughs> no well, I, I, well, Framber Valdez is pitching today. So he's got I mean, today, honestly, right? Framber, they went through every bullpen arm they had yesterday. Even after they the did. game, Baker's like, yeah, they we used like 15 guys. Like, yeah, I mean, I and he said, I have. hope this doesn't go extra innings because if so, then we got to start to use Framber, who's our tomorrow's starter. Yeah, nothing, yeah. So, I, look, Framber's been really good. You know that Framber's been the color of my energy here on the show for quite some time. And I'm telling you, I, I feel good if I'm the Astros about Framber Valdez. And uh, I, I would look at this right now is I feel like – the Astros feel no pressure for the first time, I think, since February. They're a team that feels no pressure, and that makes them so dangerous. George Springer, another guy who's going to be uh, obviously a free agent here like Ozuna, started this game off with a bang here. I mean, he started this game off with a huge home run and I think set the tone for everything. First pitch, boom. Next thing you know, Springer's around in the bases here. And I don't know. I, I feel like the Astros all of a sudden, just for the first time, it's very funny when you have a lot of pressure on you, where you have a lot of hate on you, and then your back's up against the wall, and all of a sudden you just go, well, we just can't lose. So go out there and just go and play and have some fun. It makes them very dangerous. You're right. On paper, the Rays are lined up way better because they've got two legitimate starting pitchers out there that you really fear. And Framber's very good, but he's not in that same category as the other guys, no doubt about it. I feel like Houston's more dangerous right now. And if I'm L.A., I still think when you lose those Kershaw starts, you know, they did such a good job coming back from not having him start and putting all those runs up, and that was great. But then when you lose those Kershaw starts, doesn't it take something out of you, Craig, a little bit if you're the Dodgers? Doesn't it take the air out of the balloon? Like, that's our guy, and our guy still, we can't get those W's when our guy is on the mound. I think that's very frustrating for the Dodgers. 
Yeah, well, the bullpen has not been good for L.A. That's been the big difference in this series as opposed to the regular True. season. They really had a standout bullpen. They haven't been able to get outs. And I understand that, that look, Roberts is under a little bit of criticism for leaving Kershaw in a little bit too long. But, again, he that's his guy. He wants him to, to pick up the win. Uh, look, the bottom line is this. In today's game in particular, the Dodgers are set up to win. They really are. They're in a great spot. The Braves have no one to throw. And then all of a sudden, when it shifts back to game six, they have their choice, essentially. They're not going to put Freed in there too early. They're not going to throw Ian Anderson, I don't think, too early. But that's their six and seven. So so they are in a great spot to win this series. But I, I think the Dodgers are going to get it done today. I think that they're going to win. And then, then again, the Braves-Dodgers will go down to game six and seven. And for me... It, it, look, I think Valdez has been great, too. I'm a big fan of what he does. But this guy is not pitching seven innings in this game today. So the question is, of all of these guys who I had never heard of two weeks ago that Houston is throwing <laughs> in there, Paredes and, and all these other guys, I mean, honestly, like, I, I mean, I know Ryan Presley and I know a couple of their other guys, but they, they are basically yeah. dealing with an 80% new bullpen over the last month. And I just given that versus Tampa Bay's bullpen, I, I can't I can't side with Houston. But again, got to give them credit. They've gotten to this point. Uh, let's preview those games coming up next. We're going to hear from Dusty Baker coming up. We'll also hear from Marcelo Zuna and the manager of the Dodgers, Dave Roberts. We'll take a quick timeout on Fantasy Sports Today. And Joe and I will be right back after this quick update. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. This is Fantasy Sports Today here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. And we're going to get back to our football discussion in just a minute. Of course, we're going to preview the American League and National League Championship Series. Joe, but another big weekend of football coming up for you, I know, on Sunday morning. So what can people expect when they tune into SportsGrid this weekend? Well, we're going to get the triumphant return of the Eric Young Impact Champion. While he's not battling Rich Swan. he's going to be battling Matt Stryker and myself. So Sunday, 8 a.m., Get ready for your fan duel. Get ready for your DFS. Get ready for your season long because Matt, Eric, and myself are going to take you through everything. So 8 a.m. right here on the grid on sportsgrid.com. You can watch. You can watch all other kind of places as well. You can hang out with us, get your lineup set for everything, have a couple laughs, and uh, it's going to be great to have Eric back too. We've missed him the last two weeks, so all the whole three amigos, the band is going to be back together. Should be fun. All right, check it out Sunday morning right here on SportsGrid. By the way, SportsGrid.com, our website, will show you all the different places that you can watch this show. If you're watching us right now on demand on YouTube or anywhere else, uh, you can watch our shows live too just by clicking on the website, and it'll show you everything, where we are live, how we are live, and all the different shows that we have here on our network. Okay, let's start off with the American League Championship Series. Later today, we've got Houston taking on Tampa Bay. Of course, this is Game 6 of the American League Championship Series. We cannot complain at this point. We've gotten two series that at least are going five games or more, and that's what you want at this point in baseball. You don't want to see sweeps. And um, The American League Championship Series has lived up to the billing, and for those of you who haven't been watching, you've missed a good one here because it looked like the series was over. Tampa Bay went up 3-zip. Houston has come back. They've won in very exciting fashion two games in a row. Yesterday's game was a home run by Carlos Correa that put them to this point. So what is the respect factor on the FanDuel Sportsbook? Honestly, not much. Rays are still minus 140 today. Now, keep in mind, there is no home field. 
But if yesterday's game was played, quote-unquote, in Tampa Bay, the Rays would have had another at-bat after that Correa home run. Given the fact that the Rays are the home team, not in their home park, in San Diego, they have the, quote-unquote, home field advantage and have the ability to walk off like Houston did today. So therefore, they go from about minus 130 to minus 140. That's where they are today. Framber Valdez, as we discussed, will start for Houston. And for Tampa Bay, it will be their pseudo-ace, I guess, Blake Snell. You can also make the case Charlie Morton is their ace. You could certainly think that Glasnow has a chance to be their ace as well. But Snell is the former Cy Young Award winner. And, of course, the Rays lead this series 3-2. to two. Now, before we go any further, let's hear from the manager of the Houston Astros, Dusty Baker, who was asked specifically what Carlos Correa said to him immediately after hitting that home run last night. You know, he told me that he was going to walk off. And uh, and I was like, yeah. And, and he just said, I told you. And I was like, hey, man, you know, keep telling me. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, I've seen it from afar, you know, from watching the Astros in playoffs and World Series and when he proposed to his wife and all that kind of stuff, you know what I mean? So, uh Boy, that was, uh, you know, that'll go down. It's one of the greatest games in history, and hopefully to go down one of the greatest comebacks um, in history after two more games. And we know, Joe, that the Boston Red Sox in 2004 were down 3-0 to the New York Yankees and came back to win all four games. And, in fact, in game four, to me, one of the best games ever played where the game was so mm-hmm. close Dave Roberts gets on, the manager now of the Dodgers, ironically, ends up stealing second base. They called it the steal. It was very close mm-hmm. there. Uh, Roberts loves talking about that game, too. And and they came back to win that series. So if there's any team that can do it, it is this team in Houston. There is no question because they have been through it. They have won a World Series before. They've played in World Series before. They're They're coming into this thing basically with no one wanting them to win. And so it's just mm-hmm. those guys in that clubhouse. You hear me against the world every single time a team gets to a championship. This is really me against the world. Like this is mm-hmm. the one time yeah. that you could actually say it is. But every time it's like, oh, we played with a chip. No one wants, no one thought we would be here. No, no one wants to see Houston win. So that's their motivation here. But they are up against it, no doubt. And the Rays, the one thing that you could say about them, Joe, is that look at the last, what, 15 or 20 games that they've played all in the postseason. Has there been a game where they've been blown out, right? Has there been a game in the They're seventh or eighth inning where you go, oh, the Rays are going to lose? Like, it just doesn't happen that way. No. So, well, and that's because the Rays I, I pitching and the bullpen and the defense. Yeah, the defense and the pitching and all that, that's why the Rays are never, you know, they're always in these tight games because they make a lot of plays. <laughs> but you're – you nailed it. I mean, a galvanizing force is always with us against the world, right? And a lot of people try to create that. And even really good teams create it sometimes, too. Nobody wants us to be here or whatever. But you're right. Nobody wants them. I, I do because I like Dusty Baker. I'm rooting for Dusty Baker here. How do you not like Dusty Baker to get to a seventh game here and at least make it interesting? I mean, it feels like this is his shot. And I feel like they recognize that, too. And there's something about hitting rock bottom and getting that a little that perspective or whatever that is. But the Astros definitely hit rock bottom, I think, when they're down 0-3 in this series. Like, what else can we possibly do here? We can't we can't get any worse. Jose Altuve can't throw the ball to first base. We can't score any runs. The pitching's not working out. Everything is terrible. It's been a terrible year. We are done. Let's go out there and have some fun and win a ball game. And then you do. And then you go out there and win another ball game. You start to have a little bravado, a little confidence. Hey, coach, I'm going to walk us off. You go up there, and then he does it. 
I'll tell you, George Springer set the tone yesterday in that game, and we didn't really – he wasn't on the stat sheet, uh, but he did hit that home run, and I felt like that was, hey, we're here. We're not going anywhere. We're not going quietly into that good night. And I think right now they're playing with house money, and that makes them super dangerous because they have a ton of talent. And let's not forget, if they get to that seventh game, right, that should be Glasnow again, if I'm correct, yes. And Glasnow is the guy that they hit in that fourth game. So you got to feel a little confident there because Glasnow was the guy that they started turning things around against. So if you can get through Snell today and Charlie Morton after that, I don't know, man. I think all of a sudden momentum is really swinging a little bit. Look, the Rays are a great baseball team, and it would not shock me for them to go out and close it tonight. No doubt about it. Yeah, But Framber's been doing it. Framber has five straight games with two earned runs or less. Yeah. One of the next two for me is probably the way it goes down mm. for Tampa Bay. But look, it's 2020. Anything goes. We've seen that that right. for sure. That's been the, the moral of the story this year. All right. Over to the National League Championship Series we go. And Fandle, no line yet. There'll be one up pretty soon if you log in. Dodgers and Braves. Roberts uh, last night said Dustin May is going to start. And I'm hoping that this guy can throw two innings tonight. They always take him out after an inning. It really doesn't even make any sense. But uh, May seems to be the kind of guy that could throw three or four tonight. And and he's in an advantage with whoever Atlanta decides to open with today. There's no doubt about that. So Braves do lead the series. They have this beautiful cushion now. They're feeling really good about themselves. And they should. They're up three to one. Dodgers now have to win three straight games against this team, which is pretty formidable, no doubt. But the Dodgers do have the team to do it. Atlanta has been running through this postseason just by slugging the ball and outslugging all of their opponents. And one of the big reasons why they've done it is Marcelo Zuna. And every time this guy now hits a home run, he stops all the way between first uh, home blade and first base to take a selfie. And he was asked last night about the fake selfie and how it started. It's kind of it's kind of hard to explain this. Uh, so I come up that day in in the series against against Cincinnati. So I say like if I hit a homer, I say I say to the skip and and the wise say if I hit a homer, be ready. I'm gonna point you guys and and gonna make a surface. And they was happy and say I like it. Go ahead. So. I made that after I make me set up. I say, it's another idea to to have fun and and make it. Let's go. And so uh, Ozuna's been uh, really outside of Darno, their best hitter, I think, in the postseason, Joe. And then last night, I think Ozuna went ahead of Darno without a doubt. Uh, look, it's it's a team that has to hit their way through this. They've been very fortunate to get the pitching that they have. No one could have possibly predicted last night, Joe, that Bryce Wilson would go out and shut down the Dodgers the way that he does. Bryce Wilson just throws a fastball, and he throws it right at you, and that's been his trouble all through the years. The Dodgers, all they do is hit fastballs, and they couldn't hit him yesterday. So there's no doubt they're up against it, but very similar when they were down in that series. We saw what happened after the first couple of games. They started scoring runs again, and my guess is eventually that'll happen. It could happen tonight. Yeah, look, there's a good chance of that. And uh, it's good to see Marcelo Zuna so loose. It's good to see the Braves so loose. And Freddie Freeman's no slouch either. I don't want to leave Freddie Freeman out of that conversation of good Braves hitters because he's had a very good postseason as well. And uh, obviously MVP candidate here. But look, the Dodgers are up against it a little bit here. And I I can't count the Dodgers out. They're too good of a baseball team and too good of a lineup, that's for sure. So we'll see what happens tonight. But uh, look, I I think they have their work cut out for them. There's no doubt about that right now. The Braves seem like the team that's a little looser. And I told you, I feel like there's something about when you lose those games with your big-time ace on the mound that I think takes a little bit of the air out for a team. That's all. Yeah, and also Dave Roberts, the manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers, was asked a really good question yesterday, which is basically this. Even when the Dodgers have not hit this year, 
their bullpen has come in and shut other teams down. It has not been close. Trinan, Kenley Jansen, Bruce Dargraderall, Joe Kelly, all of these guys have done a really good job. So what gives? Why haven't they done as good a job in this series? He was asked that last night. I think that, you know, you got to give credit times to hitters where um, we get two strikes and they fight, they put the ball in play. And if you do that, um, you might find some, some hits out there. Um, we're not, when we do get ahead, we're not finishing away with a strikeout. Um, so we just got to continue to, you know, try to continue to make pitches. But uh, you know what? They still got to beat us another time. Um, I still believe in every single guy in that clubhouse. And, and that's what you would expect the manager to say, Joe. Of course, he's going to defend his guys all the way to the end. Dave Roberts, it, it kind of unfortunately reminds me a little bit of Don Mattingly with L.A., where Don Mattingly, I mean, you look at Don Mattingly's record with, with L.A., 90 wins, 90 wins, 90 wins, right? And, and he couldn't get them deep into the postseason. Now Roberts can get them to deep into the postseason. He has every year. They just haven't won it. And so, unfortunately for Roberts, could be his legacy with L.A. if they don't get this one done, Joe. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. And we're talking about legacies, too. we got to talk about the Kershaw legacy, too, because this was another opportunity. And he pitched pretty well. It was into that sixth inning there where the wheels came off. The one mistake he made was Ozuna. He hit it out of the ballpark. Okay. And you come back from that. But we talked about yesterday the fantasy reality. Should he hit the sixth inning? And we said, oh, that's right about the mark. Well, guess what? That was exactly the mark where everything started to fall apart yesterday for him. Yep. Okay, coming up, back to fantasy football we go. We'll have some start sit at running back. Should you be throwing Cam Akers back into your lineup this week? I'll tell you next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. We're going to have Jim Sanis coming up in about 30 minutes from now going over all the DFS selections over on FanDuel for this week. Howard Bender will join me and we'll go over the Super Contest selections. And Joe, before we get to our start sit, some more breaking news here in the NFL. There isn't just not a day where we're going to be able to. Shaking our hands, you and me both. We just can't stop. Right, segment to segment. You can't even get through a segment without one of these things hitting and dropping and changing things. Yeah, I mean, we just can't have a clean day with this. And 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 the good news for the Colts is is that they had false positives for COVID nineteen. I'll tell you what 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 it is for me is when I hear a team has a potential positive, the first thing that I do, and I'm sure everyone does the same thing, is you don't even think about the team that's positive right now. You're thinking, who are they playing this week? Because I may have somebody mm-hmm. on that team. And mm-hmm. so, Joe, there's a report out of where is it? New England that the Patriots yep. have a potential positive yep. today. Yeah, Mike Mike Reese. They don't know who it is yet, but there's a, a potential positive test now. So they've shut things down. It looks like in the facility. Uh, I have it right here. Uh, it's just they've canceled today's practice after positive COVID test, and then there's a second positive test that they're waiting to be confirmed. So that's and, not good. And they it's play not good Sunday for them. Like, late later game Sunday. Is that right? Uh, yeah, against game? Denver. This is that Denver game that was supposed to happen last week that didn't happen last week, and now we're pushing it another week. And uh, it's just, it's unbelievable. Is this a Sunday night crazy. game? Is it the Sunday night game? Or is no, it just Sunday, Sunday night game is the Rams in San Francisco. No, it's just a Sunday game. Okay, so again, you know, options are there, you know, legitimately for a Tuesday again, right? I mean, I guess that's where we're at. If, if you love Tuesday night football. I'm already thinking we could get Tuesday. Tuesday. 
we're going to get another Tuesday night football. Look, we could try our best. We're going to do the start sits as best as we possibly can right now. Whatever games are active right now, that's all we can do. We're going to do our best because God knows by the end of this segment, five more things will change. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, we'll keep you updated, top of the hour. Okay, start sit for week six of the NFL season. And, of course, again, take anything with New England and Denver at this point with a grain of salt. We don't want to give you false information out there. If you have players on those two teams, make sure you have some potential options. So let's have a look here, Joe. I'll, I'll run down the names and then and then go through them. You can go through them. Uh, Cam Akers of the Rams at San Francisco. Very interested to hear your thoughts on this one, considering I have him this week. Damian Harris for New England. We'll, we'll, we'll certainly uh, hope that they play. DeAndre Swift of Detroit. Chase Edmonds is at Dallas. Devonta Freeman of the Giants is finally back. He's made a list here after a year. Miles Gaskin, Miami against the Jets. And then Jarek McKinnon of San Francisco against the Los Angeles Rams. All right, well, I'll start at the bottom there with McKinnon because it was the last guy you mentioned. I think he's a sit this week. I think once you have Mostert back, Mostert seems to be the best guy in this backfield. And also, if you're looking at game script for this game, there's a good chance you're going to be playing from behind, which case uh, that could be tough here. You're going to see a little bit more aggressiveness maybe to the wide receivers and a less work from the running back. So I would be sitting McKinnon if, again, there's a huge if right now, but if you have other options. Uh, Miles Gaskin against the Jets is somebody I would absolutely be playing. The Jets have been terrible. You throw everybody against the Jets you possibly can. I would even, we'll get into the wide receivers in a second there. But uh, Devonta Freeman, this is maybe a make or break here. You want to give a guy a couple weeks to understand a playbook but this is a matchup where against Washington if you need to start a running back and you got him I can understand giving it a shot as a flex RB situation but if this doesn't happen here in this particular game I think you have to throw your hands up because I didn't expect much out of him for the first week maybe even two I'm kind of giving him. he looked better against the Cowboys last week but still you give a guy three weeks to really pick up a playbook and understand what's going on Edmonds is a start for me absolutely against Dallas especially he's gonna catch the football here there's some upside here from a flex spot I love Edmonds as a start this week DeAndre Swift against Jacksonville I would also be starting as well he's starting to get more active in the passing game Damian Harris the last time you saw Harris well he had 17 carries for 100 yards against the Chiefs I don't know if you're going to see him this week now. I was looking forward to starting him. Now we got to press pause there. And Cam Akers against uh, the San Francisco 49ers. I actually think if you are believing any of the stuff coming out of L.A. that they want to use Cam Akers and they want to get him a full workload. And if that's the case, you have to at least consider starting him as a flex. As an RB2, I think it's risky. As a flex, I think there's some upside. So I, here's the dilemma that I would have with Edmonds. I'll explain it to you. And this is why mm -hmm. I don't think I can play him. So – in, in one of the leagues, I'm doing very well. I have the most points in the league. I've been unlucky. I'm three and two, but I've lost a couple of close games, and that's fine. That's, that's always going to happen. But in a very rare, unprecedented situation, I actually have a lot of running backs. I mean, to think that I couldn't start Chase Edmonds on my team, but I have Ezekiel Elliott, I have Alexander Madison, and I have Raheem Mostert. In my flex. No. So, and I would not start Edmonds over any of those guys. But I at least you it. have the option here. Right. And and look, let's let's see how things go here with the Vikings and the Falcons. <laughs> you know, everyone was holding their breath there. But uh look, yeah, right. I, I, I about would say right, right now. Yeah, I was gonna say don't let's not forget that because <laughs> we that don't feels like that. last year at this point. No, just yesterday. Uh but I, I would say this. Right now, you're not wrong. I think those are the three running backs you would start regardless, but you have a good situation to have right now. And I wouldn't be running to trade, trade away Acres, even though he has upside, just because it's 2020 and you're going to need all these bodies because every week you're going to get these extra teams on buys because of COVID that you weren't anticipating, which makes putting out a legitimate lineup very tough. 
All right, let's look at wide receivers for this week. Jamison Crowder of the Jets with Joe Flacco at Miami. We have Michael Gallup, who saw a lot of targets when Dalton came into the game, taking on Arizona. Brandon Cooks coming off his best game in at least a year for Houston at Tennessee. Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins for Cincinnati at that tough Indianapolis defense. San Francisco's getting healthier now. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk against the Rams. LaVisca Chenault for Jacksonville against Detroit. Detroit coming off a bye. Jacksonville has struggled. And then Christian Kirk for Arizona. Pretty good week for him last week at Dallas. Kirk, I believe, had like five or six catches for 60 or something like that. But it was the Jets, and that's really his best game of the year, honestly, at this point. Well, this is Dallas. uh, I mean, you got to think pretty good about Dallas, right? (laughs) So that's why I think Kirk is viable in the deeper league, especially this week, to throw out there uh, as your third wide receiver or as a flex play in a full-point PPR because it is Dallas. So I think you take the matchup with Kirk and you hope for the best. It could end up being Isabella or somebody else. There's no doubt about that. But we'll circle back to the top here this time around with wide receivers. And starting with Jameson Crowder, this guy is a lock start. Look, I know the Jets are not good. It doesn't matter because Crowder's been terrific. This guy's putting up 20 PPR points in every game. Doesn't matter who's playing quarterback, how much you're down by, doesn't matter. He's been terrific. Gallup is an interesting one against Arizona. I would lean towards throwing him out there and starting him. There were a couple big moments there in the end of that game with Andy Dalton where it seemed like they had a good rapport. Now, that could just be them going after a certain corner in this game at that moment in time in this game where there's other traction going with CeeDee Lamb and guys like Amari Cooper. But... Needless to say, if Michael Gallup becomes that guy again where Andy Dalton seems to be looking for him, this could be a big day for him, especially against Arizona over on uh, the night game here. Uh, Then, of course, you got uh, Cooks coming off his huge game. More yards in this last game than he had all season combined. I would go back to that well in this matchup against Tennessee. I imagine they're going to be playing from behind potentially in this game too, so being aggressive, and Watson's a great quarterback. I would be starting Boyd and T. Higgins too, and I know that might be an unpopular opinion against the Indianapolis Colts, but last week against Baltimore, a tough defense, these guys still had a fair amount of targets and caught a fair amount of them, and I think Joe Burrow will play better against Indianapolis than he will against Baltimore. I don't think he could play much worse than they did, so I think you kind of take your L there if you're Joe Burrow. You circle back, but I think both of those guys are starts. Chenault's a start for me too, but the two San Francisco guys right now Debo and Ayuk I know they're tempting to start I would be looking for other options because right now that quarterback play is all over the board for the 49ers and I have zero confidence in it and I think you have to really think about that Mostert I've got confidence in him the rest of these pieces right now with the 49ers it feels like they are a train wreck and yet another Super Bowl hangover here we are again every single year this happens and look it looks like it's really going through Jimmy Garoppolo now too and that's not a good thing for this offense All right, let's go over to tight end and take a look at some potential options for this week. Always looking for streaming options, no doubt about that. Eric Ebron for Pittsburgh uh, dropped a couple key key catches last week against Cleveland. He'll go against them this week. Uh, Robert Tanyan gets the start for Green Bay. He's their new tight end at Tampa Bay. Tyler Higbee has been a scoring machine for the Rams, is at San Francisco. Mike Gusecki has been very solid for the Dolphins. He will take on the New York Jets at home. And Cameron Brait, there is no O.J. Howard. We'll see if Brait, now who is more part of the game plan, can actually mm-hmm. take advantage of that. Of course, Gronkowski is still there as well, Joe. Uh, look, I think Cameron Brait is a guy that you could certainly consider starting this week. He's had two good weeks back-to-back, one with good receptions, one with the touchdown. If you can get either of those things again this week in this matchup against Green Bay, you take it. In this same matchup with Robert Tanyan, he had a fantastic game his last time out. But now you got Adams healthy, so you definitely have to temper your expectations. However, 
I don't think that they're going to completely go away from them because with Lazard out, they're still missing some other ancillary receiving options in this offense, and they're going to have trouble running the football. So Aaron Jones is going to be catching the football. Tanya's going to be in play. He's a potential start too. Higby's a start. Kaseki's a start. Ebron, I'm right on the fence about because with the Claypool emergence and with Juju being so good and Connor, there's just a lot of weapons there. But if you're desperate for a tight end this week because of how buys have hit you or because of COVID hitting you or whatever's hit your team, I think Ebron's somebody you can at least stream and start this week because Cleveland gives up a ton of yards here against uh, against passing teams. So in terms of passing yards, they're up at the highest two. They're towards the top of the league in terms of most passing yards against. So that is at least an option. Maybe you get lucky with the touchdown with Ebron. And if he hits a touchdown, then you got a tight end one on your hands. Yeah, Claypool's really come alive here and, and plays a little mm-hmm. like a tight end, too. So something to consider there. And finally, let's take a look at the quarterback position here. And these are guys that are simply put and are on the fence. Now, Jim Sanis coming up is going to talk a ton about Ben Roethlisberger, his opinion of Pittsburgh this week against Cleveland. We're going to skip over Cam Newton for now. You see him there, certainly, but have to understand that they've had a positive COVID test. Uh, we, we don't, we don't want to say a guy is going to play when he's not we simply don't know by the way newton hasn't played in a couple weeks since testing positive (laughs) for covid but uh the more the focus here big ben gardner Minshew, stafford and then teddy bridgewater who's doing things i never thought that he could do on a football field and i didn't think this even that when he first started with minnesota this is the Mm -hmm. best i've ever seen him work joe yeah, absolutely. They're getting the most out of him, and he's getting the most out of the weapons, and he's doing it without Christian McCaffrey. However, I don't think you feel great about starting him against the Bears. Uh, I'm just saying, you know, they gave Tom Brady some moments there of pause, and uh, for me, I don't think people are taking this game seriously enough there. Everyone thinks, well, the Panthers really should be able to, you know, take care of the Bears. Well, Bears defense is still pretty good, and I think that as much as we love Teddy Bridgewater last week against Atlanta, we're going to love everybody against Atlanta. I think you take it with a grain of salt. Mike Davis has been great. Anderson's been really good. DJ Moore's coming off a good game. But I would be looking for other options if I had them. I'd be sitting Bridgewater if I could this week. Uh, Stafford is a great option here. He's right on that bubble of QB1s this week. Uh, you got to imagine, too, with that Detroit defense constantly giving up leads, that they're going to have to continue to be aggressive down the stretch of this football game against Jacksonville. Same thing with Minshew. Neither of these teams, not a lot of defense here. Probably a good opportunity here. It's a big total, too. I like Minshew and Stafford this week to be starting. You mentioned we have to hit pause here with Cam Newton, but Big Ben is definitely a start this week also against Cleveland. It's a great matchup for him in DFS, but also not just in FanDuel, but in season long. So you feel good about starting Big Ben as well. All right. So with that, here's what we're going to do. We got Joe's FanDuel best values coming up next here at the almost at the bottom of the hour here. And then what we're going to do is at the top of the hour, we got a lot to get to Uh, two big pieces of information that we're going to give you. The first is, of course, going through every single value on FanDuel this week, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, as Jim Sanis is going to join us in the show. That's coming up in about 15 minutes from now. After that, Howard Bender joins us, and we will go through our leans in the Westgate Super Contest for week six. We're coming off a two and three week, hoping to get back on track this week to do a little bit better and get us into a position where we can actually cash and win some money in this thing. And then, of course, we've got some fantasy reality where we ask the burning questions to end the show, and that'll do it for our edition of the show today. So uh, make sure you stay with us, stay on the grid. You can follow us on Twitter at SportsGrid. That's how you follow us. Our website is also SportsGrid.com. You can learn about all of the shows that we have here, whether it is the early line, early in the morning, the morning after, which 
on after the early line. Scott Farrell, Coast to Coast, and then a great show we have every night here, right here on Sports Grid, called In Game Live, where we react to the games as they are going on at the moment they are from a perspective. We'll be right back. Stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. One of the fun things about Daily Fantasy is the ability to choose a quarterback and try and pair him with either a running back, wide receiver, or sometimes even a defense and really try to cash in over on FanDuel. And it looks like that is part of Joe's plan this week, at least for one quarterback and one tight end. Joe, give me some values here that you like coming up in week six of the NFL in DFS. Well, look, you have to love the matchup that the Tennessee Titans have this week uh, going against the Houston Texans. Houston really shouldn't have even won that game last week. They're not a very good football team. They don't even create turnovers as much either. Only one on the whole year for them. So Tannehill at 7.3 is a fantastic value. And you think about tight end this week on the main slate. You have to realize there's no Kittle on the main slate this week. Darren Waller's on a bye. Uh, Zach Ertz has a tough matchup. Andrews has been good, but not necessarily great. Also, Travis Kelsey not on the slate. So you're looking for tight ends. Why not John New Smith at 5.8? The guy's been absolutely tremendous. It's a great pairing. Everybody's going to be on Derrick Henry with good reason, but there's no reason you can't get the tight end in this as well with Tannehill. So I'd be looking for that. Also, I have some clarity, at least in my mind, about that backfield when it comes to Tampa, and it's Ronald Jones at 5.8K. He's fantastic, not just as your second running back. You could put him as a flex in your FanDuel lineup. It's a really good return on investment. And I mentioned before, earlier in the start sits, Jameson Crowder has been excellent. He's been steady. He's been rock solid. He's getting targets. He's getting receptions. He's getting opportunities. And that's because the Jets' defense is bad, because the Jets are bad, and they don't have a lot of weapons, and they have even less now that Le'Veon Bell has moved on. So I'm telling you, Jameson Crowder is another guy that's just a really good, solid return on investment for his salary. And that's what you're looking for. You're not just looking for guys who are cheap. You're looking for guys who can return. I think all four of these guys, their respective positions, have the opportunity to do that Sunday. Yeah, and I really love uh, the way that Tennessee's playing. I can't believe that line is only three. Tells me something's up with that. Houston Houston may win this one. Interesting game there for sure. Okay, coming up in hour two, we'll go over the headlines, which include another possible postponement of a game, and not even the one that we thought from an hour ago. We've got a new one. So we'll knock out that next. Then Jim Sanis joins us. We go over every position, quarterback, running back, and wide receiver on the fan duel slate. And then we'll get into our super contest picks before fantasy or reality. So make sure you stay tuned, stay here on the grid, and follow us on Twitter at SportsGrid. You can follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish. Follow Joe on Twitter at JoePizzaPS17. The second hour of Fantasy Sports Today starts in just two minutes. Stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 